0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth NBA podcast. We talk all things hoops and handicap the NBA. Our very, very favorite league. What do you think, Spread? Is the is the NBA your favorite league? Is this your favorite sport?
1: Uh, it's up there with the NFL. You know, if they could cut players like the NFL could and we didn't have all this trading of all the salaries, that's like my that like bugs me. Dumping salary in the NBA is like the worst.
0: But other than that, for
1: drama I'd say it's up there.
0: Well, I love catching you completely off guard. So, if you <laughs> yeah, had to yeah. make if you have to make one entirely huge change to the NBA, what do you think it would be? Because I like your idea of, of maybe making it easier to cut players because you know, maybe there would be less goofy trades or stuff like this. But what I would love to see for the NBA is almost a Premier League-style model where they have relegation, where you basically oh, wow. you go to 40 teams for the NBA, you pick another 10 cities, fill it out a little bit more, and then there are 20 teams that are in the top league and 20 teams that are in the second league, and you start to fill it out, and it sort of becomes like that. I'm all for more professional basketball, basketball spread. There's not enough of it. I need more of it.
1: Actually, that's a great idea. So, my idea is basically it's like I have no problems with the players getting this money. allow You know, pay them, but allow teams to cut them without it going against the salary cap. So, like Chris Paul right now, if you cut him, you still got to pay him the $100 million, but you can replace the $30 million slot that he'd be giving up, you know. And I think, I don't know, it's just frustrating as a fan sometimes when you see guys out there making a ton of money and you know they're not trying and they're just mailing it in. And that's one thing that the NFL doesn't have with
0: their non-guaranteed contracts. But just think of all the expiring contracts that would have been traded—Rafe LaFrentz, Theo Ratliff. I mean, (laughs) think of all these guys. I mean, how many times did Chandler Parsons get traded? It's yeah, man, we'd miss out on that. But I I like that idea. I was going to make a salary cap change. Actually, what I would do is. Um, have at least one slot per team that didn't have a maximum salary and maybe kind of steal an idea from Major League Soccer or basically have this one slot. You can pay as much as you want. It doesn't really count towards your cap. So that we could maybe spread the talent out a little more. I, I always struggle with that because, well, I guess, you know, even to make another turn here before we jump into what we're supposed to be doing, what do you think of the idea of super teams? When I think of the NBA, it's, it's kind of always been a super team league, even if you go yeah. back to... You know, the beginning of the league, there was George Mikan and that loaded Minnesota Lakers team. You go back to the Celtics and the Lakers that everybody thinks of the 80s. I mean, those teams were stacked.
1: And see, so that's when I grew up. And so when I grew up, the Celtics and the Lakers, you almost just penciled them in the finals. So I'm used to that. And, you know, so I really have no problem with the the super team aspect of it. I like all the guys teaming up. You know, like uh, when Durant went to the Warriors, I thought it was cool. And then, you know, what's kind of cool is it had run its course and it's kind of stopped being... kind of stopped being cool, and then, you know, he left. So I thought that worked out pretty well. But I think, you know, in 10 years, we're going to look back on that team with a little more appreciation than we had at the time, you know, like how cool it was for those guys to actually play together.
0: It's it's a two-part thing for me, and I like that, um, you know, what you just said. I think you kind of summed up lightly a few things that I believe. The first thing is I like to see the best players play against the best players. But before I get to that, um you know, everyone always talks about these teams like they're going to exist for 15 years or something crazy like that. Like when LeBron and Chris Bosh and, and yeah. um, Dwayne Wade got together and was like, oh my God, they're going to win every championship for the next decade. Like, that's not how that works. No team stays together for that long. Yeah. The, way the contracts are set up the way the career lengths are, the way that, you know, players think and generally are trying to move on to the next thing. That, that, that doesn't actually happen. That's insane. And then, you know, I love it. I love watching the best players play against the best players. Like, Uh, you go back and think about some of those Spurs-Nets finals. Like, was that any fun? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't miss those. I don't want to go back to, you know, that that kind of version of the NBA where there was more parity or or whatever. It was just, it's inane. I like watching these super teams get together. This is fun.
1: And you know what's funny is, you know, uh, the market's kind of corrected itself to to the point where the guys have realized, like, hey, three guys together is too much on the salary cap. Did you notice that they've kind of, paired off now because they've realized the depth is too important and you can't just get four superstars and then five guys that are like you know g-league level or you know barely level make the nba because there's too much pressure on your stars every night so it seems that they've instead of tripling up they're pairing off now in order to kind of have more depth around them so
0: yeah, I, I see that same thing, and uh, that's kind of what I thought. Miami actually was my favorite version of the Super Team because at first, you know, it was let's do whatever we can do to get LeBron and Bosh and Wade together, and then that first season, it was really hard. They didn't have a lot of yeah. depth. Those guys had to play too many minutes. Um, it wasn't a full basketball team. They lost. They lost the, the finals to a deep basketball team with, with the Mavericks, and there was a lot of things at play there, And but... I think at the end of the day, basketball is about having a full team. It's about having a group of guys that you can go to war with, not just three guys that are going to carry everybody else because you need to have five capable humans on the floor at the entire time. Um, so I think you're right. I think moving towards the model of maybe having two superstars and a couple other players um, is probably more sustainable for the long term. And what we saw from the, the Warriors, I mean, it was complete luck. You look at that Stefan Curry contract situation he, he happens to break his ankle the season before he's supposed to get an extension so they can get that four-year extension that's so cheap um, yeah you get that weird wrinkle in the salary cap where um, you know we have that boom from the new tv contract where all of a sudden they randomly have enough space to add Kevin Durant because Draymond's still on his rookie contract and Steph's on that weird contract and Clay's still on his rookie contract and it's just I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again and it was fun to watch and that team was really, really great, but I don't think it was unbeatable. I, I think that over a long period of time they'd beat any team, but, you know, that Cleveland – a couple of those Cleveland teams took them to the absolute brink and then, you know, required some injuries or even some goofy things to happen to to really let the Warriors blow them out. But I, I think it's more fun than, than people think of it in the moment. Definitely. I think the, the appeal
1: of the NBA is that how much we really know the star players and their personalities, and it uh, helps us either, like, root Four against them. You know, like um, – James Harden's kind of developing a little, like, heel personality now, you know, with his, like, basically insistence on, you know, what he's doing right with it's cool with the step back, and, you know, it's, it's totally cool that he draws all these fouls, you know, and so, uh, um, he's probably one of the least popular best players ever. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, for how well he's doing, he really doesn't have a big fan base outside of Houston Rockets fans.
0: I think that's more because of his style. I think because yeah, James Harden exactly is an innovator and he's doing stuff that's weird and stuff that, you know, frankly makes old guys uncomfortable. Um, I grew up playing in a in a league with my dad and his friends. And it was called the Old and Slow League. And literally, it was a bunch of guys <laughs> in their late 30s, 40s, early 50s that grew up in the Philadelphia area playing at major high schools and colleges and stuff. Um, spread, here's a question for you. Do you know who Paul Arizon is? No. Paul Arizon is one of the first players ever to shoot a jump shot. He was on the NBA's best 50 players when they did that celebration I think 50 years into the league. Oh, okay. He um played at Villanova and then for the Philadelphia Warriors at the time and He says that he developed the jump shot simply because they used to make him play basketball games after having mixers and dances. So when they Uh had mixers and dances, they put like a whole bunch of um, sawdust on the floor that made it slippery. And even though they cleaned it off, the only way for him to get himself settled was actually to stop and jump. Because if he ever set his feet, all he would do is slide. Anyway, um, I I grew up playing with uh, two of his sons and a couple other guys around the Philadelphia area. Um, Ed Pinkney was probably the most famous person. I remember him. He was a king. And um, Harold Jensen. Do you remember who Harold Jensen is? No. I do remember Pinkney, though. Uh, Villanova won the yeah. 1983. I think it was 1983. No, I think it was ni- it was some other, Summertime in the 80s. The Villanova won the national championship, and they win on a bank shot from about 10 feet away. And Harold Jensen was a guy who makes that bank shot. He still makes the same one. Um, he pulls up from the oh, same really? spot. Cool. Yeah, it's wild. He's a really cool dude. Um, but you know, growing up, kind of playing with that, you know, they're old, stubborn guys, and they have a, an understanding of this is the way basketball is played, and this is the right way. So when I started playing with them as a 13, 14, 15 year old kid, they were mostly annoyed with me because I didn't know how to cut the way they cut. I didn't know how to run essentially what was like a a poor man's Princeton offense, which is basically what everyone in the league runs because they all grew up playing, you know, in the same period with the same coaches and stuff. Um, And it's interesting to, to see how a group of those guys feel about basketball and about players. And I know they all hate James Harden because he's traveling all the time and he's doing stupid stuff and he's getting too many free throws and blah, 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 blah. But I love it. I love all that stuff. I love innovation. I love creativity. I love watching somebody, you know, skirt the line of what the rules are. Um, so I know that's for cool. some people... Well, we, can,
1: we can disagree on that because I get annoyed with it. I think at a certain spot where, you know, you're extending your hand and then he's just running his hand straight into it and shooting. Uh, I think... <laughs> I don't know. There seems to be a big big um, pushback against that, even with some of the younger people. Um, so I could actually see that getting legislated out. So we'll see if other players seem to do it because now it got to the point last year where I was noticing where players didn't do it and they did what I thought was more of like a um, sportsman-like or, you know, proper spirit of the gameplay, where, you know, their defender would get in the air and they wouldn't necessarily jump into them. Um
0: you know, that's being that's a, being a good defender. You've played James Harden. Yeah. Don't put, don't swipe down the ball. Just well, don't and, do it. And, like that's, and we
1: saw the uh, the way that Rubio attacked him last year. Is that going to start happening this year? Are people I, just going to get so. behind him?
0: I'm all because for it. Because it's to
1: the point where it's like, okay, if, if I'm behind you, I can block your shot when it goes up. And, you know, I can't stay in front of you anyways on the dribble, so someone's going to have to rotate and help anyways. And I can't get baited into a foul call. You know, because I love I'm it. behind you, so I'm. It's going to be really interesting to see how the game goes. But hey, I think it's. I think it's a lot of fun. I personally hope that they legislate out the. I think that they should allow the defender to have the space that he's currently in. For example, if I extend my arms, you can't rip your arm into my arm and then say you fouled me while I was shooting. You know, uh, I should have the right to whatever space I'm currently in. Uh, that would be the one thing that I would legislate as a change, but we'll see. I think they already did a good job uh, legislating away the the, the three pointers. You know, from seventeen eighteen to last year, yeah, it seemed like there was a lot less of it. So I think the NBA's got a good pulse on it. I think uh, uh, they they kind of have an idea of what their fans want, and if it does get too ridiculous, um, you know, they'll get rid of it. But one thing I notice is that you know. The one place it's not sustainable is in the in the playoffs when they start to be a foul on every play and the referees aren't calling everything. You can see Harding getting frustrated with his his normal tricks not working and you know, he's probably only got what, two or three years left of his prime. Yeah. And and if that doesn't change I, I don't see him winning a title in this current landscape, but um I definitely think that they're uh they're a big contender here. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes.
0: All right, a lot to unpack there. Simply because you just, you know, your second to last sentence was you don't think James Harden's going to win a title. But before we <laughs> yeah. talk about that, let's go through the let's go through the history. history <laughs> let's go through the history of the NBA and think about all the great players that ever played the game. If you go okay. back and think about all the great players, almost all of them had a rule changed for them. They invented the right. lane because Wilt Chamberlain was too tall. They had right. invented the they had invented the carryover because Allen Iverson simply couldn't dribble the ball basically all he would do was flip it over in his hands it was amazing to watch um you know michael jordan they changed the hand rule on defense for michael jordan um i'm trying to remember what i think you know maybe kareem abdul jabbar was was the lane but anyway no i think
1: if you i think they had a thing with dunks for when he was lost that's
0: what it was right exactly anyway so if they go through and actually change the rules as a result of what James Harden did, I think that actually speaks to the power of what he's figured out. I think. Oh, and
1: I'd expect it if they if they if there was like a bet, you know, that we can make. Will there be a rule against, you know, um, basically like I said, not allowing the defender to have the space that he's currently in, and moving your arms into his arms to draw a foul? Uh, I would get. I would vote that or i would bet you know if i were to get plus 100 or more that that will be enacted within the next five years
0: that's interesting i think you're right i think they will come up with some way to try to slow that down a little bit um the preseason just started today and we started to see some highlights and this is a little different rule of um him shooting like a, a one footer yeah i was gonna but mention that did to you see, see if that a, the one leg three pointer? i'm curious but to see, see if that's
1: it, not that doesn't bother me at all i think that's cool He's not trying to draw a foul there. He's basically just using it to get an extra step, right? And have more space.
0: So circling back to my old friends, one of their abominations is the way that they've changed the traveling call. So essentially you get two whole steps after you stop dribbling. Yeah. you know, For a lot of you guys that played basketball maybe even 15, 20 years ago as kids, you remember once you stop your dribble, you can't move your feet. You don't get two stops yeah. after you settle your feet. And at some point in the last few years, I, I think they did actually go through and change the rules so that you get a dribble, you stop, and then you get two steps after that. Um, so for anybody, uh, they've had
1: that two steps for as long as I can remember. Because even in the time. 80s, the old-timers used to complain, that uh, Jordan and Magic used to travel all the time. That's always been it. And you know what? It's funny. On the carrying, you you mentioned Iverson, but they said the same thing about Magic Johnson.
0: Yeah, they, they used.
1: You know, the old timers used to be like, he palms the ball on every on every dribble. He palms the ball, and he did, and it was just kind of like, okay, well, he can not palm the ball, and just you know, because when I was taught, you didn't you didn't move your hand at all, and hmm. they've kind of just basically changed that rule. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the the players being able to do more cool stuff they don't need to just have their hand you know it's hard to do when we're on the podcast but just straight up and down you know i might mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that that wrist action in there so some of these things are for the better and I, the steps i've always old timers have always said even in, like the earliest i remember 84 you know michael jordan travels on every play magic johnson travels all the time <laughs> you know so i think that's uh it's just part of life you know like get off my lawn
0: like it's gonna happen people are gonna complain all right, well, remember that James Harden comment once we get to the Western Conference, but we're not here to do that. Yeah. Today we are here to wrap up the Eastern Conference. We've already gone through and previewed the Southeastern Division as well as the Atlantic Division, which leaves us with the Central um, now, it was good that we got that much interesting content up before because, if we're being honest, folks, we're not super thrilled about this division. Um, <laughs> we've got the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a heavy, heavy favorite. And then we've got Indiana, whose star is injured, and then Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland. But we're going to do our best to go through here, try to break down each team, get you ready for the season, and, and get some general thoughts on. Know, what we expect for these teams, and start to look at some of these numbers. Because although there might not be a lot of contenders to win the division or the title here, maybe we have some good over-under wins and maybe some fun teams to bet on during the season. So let's start spread with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if we look through their offseason, not too many changes outside of what what happened in the draft. You know, Added Darius Garland, of course. Um, it turns out there's going to be no more. Um, J.R. Smith in Cleveland. But the rest of the moves here are fairly, fairly small stuff. You know, mostly the draft, mostly waving younger players. Um, we look at their starting five here. They're expecting Darius Garland to be the starting point guard with Colin Sexton, Seti Osman, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. Kevin uh, Brandon Knight coming off the bench, possibly Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Matthew Delladova, um, Ante Zizic, uh, Darius Thornwell, a couple players. What do you think of this roster spread? What is your expectation for the Cleveland Cavaliers this season?
1: All right. Well, I think this roster basically comes down to how Garland and Sexton interact because I pulled up their depth chart and I see they have Sexton listed as a shooting guard, but I mean, he's a point guard. So it's like they have two point guards, you know, uh, two wings and Tristan Thompson. That's going to be really interesting. You know, Sexton really, he started off bad um the veterans you know anonymously called him out and then whoever did that actually they got a lot of pushback um because a lot of people were saying you know hey that's not a good way to be a veteran is you know anonymously calling out your rookie point guard and then he seemed to turn around towards the end of the year at least um production wise and just kind of looking capable on the court you know and then you know it's tough because when you're as bad as Cleveland was, you have to take the best player available. So they did that, and they got another point guard in Darius Garland. Um, we've kind of seen it. They tried to do it last year in Houston with um, Harden and Chris Paul, and they'll attempt to do it again uh, You know, now with uh, Harden and Westbrook. So do you think that the, basically the two-point guard attack can work here in Cleveland, or do you think it's going to stunt the development of both players?
0: No, I like the idea of having multiple ball handlers on the same team. I think the way that the NBA is moving in terms of forcing you to have five players on the floor that are offensively dynamic at all times, it helps to have two ball handlers who can be creative, who can attack the basket, who are willing to look around the court and make passes. I'm actually excited about, about this this combination. I I guess my only problem is from a defensive perspective, they're both limited defensive players given their size and their experience. So I wonder how in a guard driven league Cleveland's going to do with those two guys at the helm.
1: Yeah. And the other problem that when you deal with that is Kevin Love is pretty poor on the perimeter. Um, And so with a lot of these teams bringing out the real good stretch fours that can, you know, double as, as small forwards. uh, I think Love's going to have a lot of problems. And I kind of disagree with you there. I think that when they're established, you know, like Paul and Harden were, it's fine. But for the development, I think it's better to give one guy uh, the reins. You know, you don't have to worry about running with the ground at this age um, with fatigue. And, you know, you got to get one guy out there. He needs to learn how to get the people into the sets where they need to be and distribute the ball. If they were more experienced, I, I, I do agree with your idea of having two ball handlers there. But I think this is going to be very tough you know it's almost like in the nfl if you have two quarterbacks you don't have any quarterbacks i kind of feel this way about uh cleveland right now you know if you have two point guards you don't have a point guard at all so i think what they'll do is it'll just be a competition and and they're going to have to get rid of one i don't think this is going to work long term
0: so would you say that maybe coaching is, is a big important part of this team i would think so so with that spread do you actually know who the coach the cleveland cavaliers is it's the guy from Michigan, right? John Beeline. So what do you think of John Beeline this year? Do you think that in, I believe, his first time ever coaching an NBA team, I'm sure that at some point he's been on an NBA staff given his uh, overwhelming success as a college coach, do you think he's the right guy to, to manage these young players and to put this team together and try to drive them towards success?
1: I'm, I'm honestly at to have to plead ignorance on that. I mean, I don't really know enough about Beeline as a coach or even the system that he ran at Michigan. Um to really give you a good answer on that. Uh, I do think that he's he's worth the gamble, you know, because it's not like there's a bunch of, like, you know, great coaches just sitting around, you know, that they passed over in order to sign this guy. I think that, you know, he's definitely worth it. But uh, time will tell on that. Why,
0: what do you think about B-Line? I think that his desire to shoot three-pointers and spread the ball out will translate well. What I'm Mm -hmm. curious about is – you know, he really built. I think his college teams around his system more than maybe he built his system around the players that he had. You know, he was a great recruiter and always a good job at finding the kind of players that he wanted. I'm curious to see what he does with somebody else's team, with how he handles the concept of a GM and, and kind of trying to mold these guys. Um, well, I'm optimistic. He is a leader. He's an experienced veteran. I think that the name brings a lot of respect when it comes into this room. And if he's able to, you know, maybe loosen up his his strategy a little bit and really focus on what he has versus what he wants to do and think about it that way he could be good but I'm I'm not entirely optimistic yet I think at the end of the day my biggest question for the Cleveland Cavaliers is actually how good is Kevin Love going to be If Kevin Love is going to be a good player, if he's going to go back to being one of the 15 to 25 best players in the league and really contribute, this could be a really interesting regular season team. I think defensively they're limited and and they're really going to struggle, but I think this is a team that could put up a lot of points. So what do you think about Kevin Love this year? Do you think that he's going to come back and have a good season? And do you think there's any chance he actually finishes the season on the Cleveland Cavaliers? The other concern would be that he comes out, plays my basketball, and gets moved. But when I think about that, I, I struggle with trying to figure out who would actually want Kevin Love. I don't see a team that would be willing to reach out and trade for someone with his specific skill set, with his specific challenges, and his contract. What do you think about Kevin Love?
1: Uh, I don't think Minnesota Kevin Love's coming back. I think if they had Minnesota Kevin Love, this team would be awesome. But that guy that gets down there in the low post and, and is getting 12 to 15 rebounds per game, I think he's gone. Um, I really don't have a lot of expectations for him. You're right. If he comes back and he is the star, um, you know, this team will definitely go over uh, the 24-and-a-half that, that they have it at the books right now. But I'll tell you what, I don't like this, this, core, this, this uh, paint core of – Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, it just seems like they're going to just get exploited so hard on, uh, uh, pick and roll switches. And then, you know, you add in the fact that you got Garland and Sexton that will probably be with them on the pick and roll and probably aren't going to be ready at this point of their careers to, to kind of handle having a weaker pick and roll partner there on the switch. Um, I think this team's going to have a lot of problems defending.
0: I agree. I think defensively, they're going to be very, very limited, um, you know, when I think of Kevin Love, I actually think his games adapt a little bit. I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think we'll ever see Minnesota Kevin Love, but I wonder if, you know, he can take what he's done to rebalance himself and, you know, maybe move outside the post, be a little better shooter and kind of expand his game a little bit. Well, yeah,
1: he can. And that's where it's interesting you say that you don't see it, but uh, I think injuries will open it up. I think the contract would be, um, you know, might be the big. The big problem, but I could see him contributing on a playoff team if he got moved. I can see a lot of teams that look like they're close. Like, for example, like Portland. Don't you think he'd fit in well in Portland?
0: That's a really interesting spot I think if you're I think you're right if there's any place he was going to go it might possibly be Portland I guess the question would be what is Portland going to give back to the Cavaliers are, are they going to really trade McCollum are they going to really try to you know do they have any draft ass, assets they probably have
1: to use a draft asset and then get him to take Whiteside's contract
0: then then I don't think I want love I think I like the idea of love playing next to Whiteside because you know Whiteside wants to do what love doesn't want to do and love wants to do what Whiteside can't yeah. do um yeah I think if it's you're just, Portland, you're making, making a trade what, for Love going in. Let me. You're gonna pull have up to Kevin Lowe's contract, but you're gonna have it's a to, lot of you money. You need
1: to find a huge contract that you're willing to get rid of. Um, and a lot of the contending teams aren't going to have that. You know, right? Like, that's, I think you he can help stronger. out Milwaukee, but like, how would he? Um, oh my
0: gosh, spread! It's almost twenty-nine million dollars.
1: Yeah, so it's like
0: they'd have to trade McCollum. He, they'd have to put McCollum with another player. Yeah, and then
1: that's pointless. That's pointless. Right. So. It's And that's one of those things where it's interesting. I wonder if they'll buy him out.
0: I don't know. There's a lot of years left on his contract. And my guess is, you know, given Cleveland's position in the league and being a small market team, they might actually want to try to win some games. So with that yeah. in mind, the total's at 24 and a half I'm seeing. Um, we talked about in the last couple podcasts, there are a handful of teams every year that go under 20 wins. I don't know if this is one of those teams, but I also certainly don't think I can endorse an over here. What do you think about that total?
1: I like under... I don't have any really hopes for this team at all. Like I said, there's a lock jam at point guard. And uh, even if it works on the offensive end, like you said, it's going to be a nightmare on the defensive end. Seti Osman at small forward isn't that good a defender. Kevin Love is – boy, I still can't believe Steph Curry didn't hit that shot that one year against him. I was just thinking that's the matchup they want. You know, you wanted Kevin Love on the perimeter and he didn't hit it. But regardless of that, he's not that good a defender. And Tristan Thompson is an okay defender, but if if it's if you're going against shooters, you know, having a rim protector doesn't really help that much. Um, the bench is, I, I don't know, Jordan Clarkson's like an okay bucket getter to, like, keep you in there, but he doesn't defend that well. Larry Nance Jr., I, I forgot to bring him up. I wanted to talk to you about him are you disappointed I thought he was going to be so much better than he turned out to be what, am I just missing that was I just highlighted by all the dunks or
0: I think you might be and then maybe some memories of, of what his father used to do but yeah. he's a nice basketball player he tries with really a hard he doesn't he's not a very good shooter he's not particularly intelligent on defense. I think that he might be a good regular season player. I think that he actually can contribute really well on this team. I'm excited to see actually what this lineup looks like when it goes small. I mean, they could put a lineup of Garland Sexton, Osmond, um, Nance, and you know maybe Kevin Love, and, Tristan and in maybe the Tristan on Thompson, or maybe I like even Tristan not. You just go, there. you make Larry Nance the center, and you play Clarkson, Garland, Sexton, and Osmond, and just go super, super small, and just tons of ball handlers, tons of people trying to run, tons of shooting on the floor. That could be a fun lineup. Um, And I think Nance, from that perspective, fits in nicely. But defensively, he's limited. Offensively, he doesn't do anything I'm too excited about. So he's a nice player, and I like him. And He's got a fun name, and he seems like a decent guy, but meh. All right.
1: And last one about the Cavaliers before we move on. John Henson, do you think he has anything left? I'm I'm on the ESPN, and they have him fourth on the depth chart at center, and I'm thinking he's going to be a— I think he's going to be a part of this rotation. I don't see him this far down. I'm surprised they have him there.
0: I can't remember the last time he stayed healthy, so I think that's really what you're seeing there. It's tough to think that he's going to make it through an entire season. He's always been an incredible defensive player and just a borderline useless useless offensive player. But if you're you're running with Garland,
1: Sexton, and Osmond... I, I, wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't mind having Henson out there.
0: Yeah, you'd probably st- you still want stuff. somebody who's, who's capable of rolling to the basket and taking advantage of some pick and roll opportunities. And Henson's yeah. not the guy. He's nice defensively, but I think it's. Tough I wouldn't to mind line, just Brandon. throwing him
1: in the corner on the offense, letting them run four wide. He can just try and <laughs> hope that they don't just sag off him too hard and, and at least have a uh, so somewhat reasonable defender out there.
0: Well, maybe during so, the regular are, season that might work. Occasionally, are, are we but I don't think that's the plan. At-
1: are we going to be looking at Cavaliers overs here? I think we have Because I don't to. like this team defensively at all.
0: No, this team's going to be terrible defensively, and I'm optimistic that they can actually put up some points, especially if Love is healthy and, and play in real minutes. So, um, so I think let's I'll check wait. their
1: pace out at the beginning of the year and see how their pace is.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to check to see who's healthy and, and wait maybe five to ten games. But the Cleveland Cavaliers will be an overlook for most of the season. It doesn't seem like we have any preseason bets. Are you actually going to bet the under there? On the 24 um, and a half? Or are you just thinking about it? Most likely.
1: Let me see what it's juiced at. I probably will. I, I like going under on like the lowest totals.
0: Yeah, I'd me be an under 25 it, at minus 125. It seems to
1: be, it seems to be uh, a bet that, you know, they can't place it low enough. Like even if their computer spits out 15, they can't put it at 15, you know. Right. Because then, you know, everyone would just hit the over. All right, let's see. Cleveland, what am I juiced at here? Oh, I can get under 24 and a half,
0: minus 120 at five dimes. That looks like it'll be a bet. All right. So we got at least one bet for the Cleveland Claviers. Good job. Anything All to right. add on Cleveland before we jump into the Bulls? No, I'm actually impressed that we spent that much time on Cleveland. I know. And now time to talk about the Bulls, our buddy Hanky Dory's very favorite team. Um, the Gav, too. I know oh, that's right, Gav, Gav, our our good buddy from Australia. I yeah, because I was thinking, a Bulls fan.
1: I was thinking when I pick the under here, they're not going to be too happy with me. So,
0: well, way to blow the preview. So let's go through <laughs> the off season here. Um, let's see. Add added Kobe they picked White, up your favorite guy, Thaddeus Young, Tomas Sadoransky. I'm so disappointed love to see that, that, that he's guy. A good, I do. He's a really really nice bench player. You I think what? he could be a third like guard on a FIBA. nice team.
1: He killed it in the international Of course he did. Buying. Ooh,
0: they got the uh, the Unicornette, uh, former New York Knick, Luke Cornett. Um Let's take a look at the actual roster wait, here. Wait,
1: why is he a Unicorn?
0: Uh, they called him the Unicornette. Knicks fans, I don't. you obviously don't have any friends that are Knicks fans. I, I'm friends with a, a horrible Knicks fan who um, called him the Unicornette for... I thought poor probably was the Lincoln Unicorn. His, well, he was, but that's why they went from the Unicorn to the Unicornette. Um, Oh, the mm
1: Unicornette. I got mm -hmm, it. Okay, He had like four four games
0: where he scored a bunch of points and made some threes. But we're not talking about that. Let's talk about the Bulls. Saturansky (laughs) looks like he's going to be the starting point guard. Maybe Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr., Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., Thaddeus Young coming off the bench, Denzel Valentine coming off the bench. Um, Again, probably Saturansky coming off the bench, I think, with with Chris Dunn starting. Kobe White, the rookie. Um, Not actually a too brutal of a roster this this might actually be another over team i see a lot of shooting and oh good we get to go
1: we get to go opposite crossfire here but all
0: right so so what do you think of this bulls roster what do do you see You you see this group i see
1: a bunch of names it's not a team i see a coach that i don't know if is ready for the new nba you don't love jimmy guys run gassers i mean i would like for him to be good i like i kind of agree with everything he says i don't know if you know People with our in our age group with our views of basketball are necessarily set to be uh, to be doing this. It seems like the better teams are the ones with the younger ideas that are, you know, that are actually out here innovating, like we discussed earlier, and not just sticking that we did this in 1978 and we won the state championship that way. So that's how we're going to do things now. And I don't like the way this team is constructed at all. I think that Zach Levine is. Uh, the Devin Booker of the East, he just gets a bunch of empty numbers and looks cool while he's doing it. I don't know how Shots much he helps fired. you win.
0: You're blowing so much of our Western <laughs> Conference content. Keep going.
1: <laughs> See, well, yeah, it's uh, I think it's called foreshadowing. I don't know. Um, Laurie Markkinen I like as a player, but I think he's limited defensively. I like Otto Porter Jr. a lot. Everyone knows he's overpaid, though. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is actually a very good player here. Um, I don't know how I like him at center, though. I think it's interesting that they're going with a small ball lineup right off the bat. But um, I don't know. I think that Sadaransky trying to get these guys to play in a team and not to just make one pass and then have the ball disappear when they're setting up their offense, I think that's going to be hard to find. I guess they got rid of the other ball stopper in Jabari Parker, so that might help. I actually like Denzel Valentine as a player a lot. Don't like Chris Dunn at all. I'm surprised he's even still in the league and... Thaddeus Young is like, if you were to say your average like eighth man off the bench, I'd say that's
0: Thaddeus Young. I agree with that. I, but when I look at this starting five, I think I see enough shooting here. And I think you're right. I think moving Jabari Parker off this team, I, I wonder if it becomes Zach Levine's team. I wonder if it becomes Laurie Markkinen's team. I think I just really love what Laurie Markkinen allows you to do offensively. He's a he's really big. He shoots the absolute hell out of the ball. He is just a beautiful jump shot and just incredibly skilled offensively. I think the space that he creates on the floor, you know, I, I think a lot of people are too quick to compare him to Dirk Nowitzki, but I think, you know, you take maybe 50% of what Dirk was able to do on a floor in market and might someday be capable of doing that. Um, Otto Porter Jr., say what you will about his contract, he's, he's a starter in the NBA. He's a good right. defensive player. He's a great offensive player. Great. He's good on both sides of the floor. He knows how yeah. to score the ball. And I think Wendell Carter Jr. is underrated defensively. I think he has an opportunity to maybe be a ring, rim protector. Um, and when you put those five guys out on the floor, I think that's going to be an interesting lineup. I think this might be one of the teams I look at in terms of first quarters next year. I think this might be a team that starts hot Ooh. with their starting lineup and then kind of falls apart as the game goes along. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Zach Levine is one of those guys. I think he's the main reason I don't like this roster. I just, uh, I was so happy when uh, Chicago matched our offer for him or whatever and he chose to go there because he was real close to being in the Kings last year. And I think that would have ruined everything. I just, I think he's great. I loved him in the dunk contest. um, But he just seems to me to be like one of those, like, Ballers, you know, that just knows how to get buckets but doesn't really know how to win games, you know. And, it, you know, when Steve Kerr was criticizing the AAU, where it's like they didn't play one game and just go home and think about it like he did, they play six or seven and they don't really, you know, in a day and they don't really you know care about whether they win or lose it's all about like who made the best dunk or who dropped like 30 in a game zach levine seems to me to be like the epitome of that like criticism of the current aau generation as in he scores and he's awesome offensively but he doesn't seem to do anything else and i don't think it would be very fun to be his teammate like would you want to play on zach
0: levine's team I guess I don't feel like I know enough about Zach Levine to make that judgment. I think that given injury problems, given on some of the teams he's been on, I don't know if he's had a chance to really be part of something bigger than what he is yet. So I think you're right. I think based on what we've seen, just just the games we've watched of Zach Levine, he does love to shoot. He likes to chuck. Maybe he's n- probably not fun to play with. He's certainly limited defensively, which is obviously a problem, but... I think, again, if, if Wendell Carter Jr. Can, can hold down the center of the floor a little bit, uh, Porter should be able to guard one of the bigger wings. I think Sadoransky should be able to handle one of the better guards. I think that can kind of cover maybe Markin and, and Levine's um, problems a little bit. But uh, you know, your criticisms of Levine are obviously well-based. But I'm curious to see what maybe he can do on a team that, you know, this might be one of the first times he gets to play on a team where he is the guy who's going to be scoring most of the points.
1: Yeah, so my main one of my main reasons I'm going under here, so I'm looking at this starting lineup, right? Sadoransky, I would say, is a minus defensively. He's below average. Levine, minus defensively, below average. Markinen he's a minus defensively, below average. And I'll give Porter Jr. and Carter Jr. pluses. But I don't like having three of my starting five Um, that seem to be so easily attacked. I don't see how they're going to get stops in crunch time. It seems to me that they're going to get wins off people going to Chicago, partying, and being too tired next day to take advantage of them. So I think they'll be able to to defend their home court adequately. I do like your first quarter look, because one thing we learned kind of having fun with the first quarter market last year, and I actually ended up loving those first quarter bets, was that they're not necessarily indicative of wins and losses overall. It's almost like a completely different... Uh, not sport that you're handicapping but your handicap is completely different you know so I, I, I like your idea there because I can see this team getting hot it's it's the crunch time stops that I think is going to lead them and I, th- I thought the number should be set at around 29 or 30 so at
0: 33 I'm loving the under here Yeah, I've got under 32 and a half, even money. I'm staring at that as well. I like that very much. And I like what you said about the first quarter market. It is not quite a different game, but it's a different aspect of the game. You know, a basketball game, I think, is longer than people give credit for. I know everybody thinks that a basketball game is only the last two minutes. Um, And maybe there's some truth to that, because when you look at the teams that were successful in the first quarter last year, they were teams that... um, didn't have great records and maybe didn't have great reputations. The Cleveland Cavaliers were great in the first quarter last year. The Bulls were good in the first quarter last year. The Orlando Magic were incredible in the first quarter last year. Um, I'd have to go back and look for some other teams, but when you think about those three teams, they were teams that obviously weren't good, but you know maybe were better than you gave them credit for. I think that they were teams that that people weren't really looking for. Um, at 32 and a half, I'm really shocked. I don't know why a team that won. 22 games last year um, and made the changes that the Bulls made would be expected to win 11 more games, maybe even 12 more games than they won last year. I, I don't see what this team did to get better. Um I don't know if there's a teardown situation here or a tank yeah, situation.
1: Yeah, is Saturansky but... worth, worth 11 games?
0: Right, you, you, you move from Jabari Parker <laughs> basically to Sataransky. I'm Sadaransky. talking to the
1: only sataransky fan I know, and he doesn't even think that.
0: So. No, it's, it's, I don't understand this. So I think the under here on the 32.5 is a great bet. I don't know what your under on 33 is there, but I love the I got odds minus here. 110
1: at five dimes.
0: Yeah, minus 110 on, on 33. I'm going to open up and my five dimes game. account and, and yeah, grab a little bit of that. get the extra game, yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. So that that's a great look. We like our Bulls unders here. Um, I, I you know I'm optimistic about a couple of the players, but I, I agree with your overall sentiment. I'm not sure how it fits together and how they achieve a lot of regular season wins and a lot of consistency. Any other thoughts on the Bulls spread? Uh, no, but I'm I'm loving this under here. All right, Detroit Pistons. Looking at some of their changes from this year, we got to go back a little bit. Um, Got Tony Snell. Um, added Derek Rose. Added Tim Frazier. Added Markeef Morris. Um, somebody named Christian Wood. Sekou Dumbuye. I really apologize to Sekou. I'm sure that I just absolutely butchered his name. That's who they drafted in the first round spread. And Joe Johnson from the Big Three. I guess he he's had enough of Big Three basketball. He's back in the NBA. You excited for the return of Joe Johnson? I mean. He's going to be an okay regular
1: season backup.
0: So let's look at the starting lineup. We've got Reggie Jackson, someone named Bruce Brown. I'm going to be honest. I don't know who that is. Tony Snell, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Derek Rose, Luke Kennard, Joe Johnson, Markeith Morrison, Thon McCor coming off the bench. So, is that how
1: you say his name? It's not Thon Maker?
0: I'm I th- pretty sure it's Thon McCour. I've heard of people saying no, Thon that. McCour. Let's see, this Bruce Brown fellow, he was a second-round pick last year coming out of Miami. Yeah. Do, do, do you know who that is? I'm going to be honest. I need to do some research here.
1: No, I'm actually surprised that Kennard isn't starting
0: there. I actually am much more familiar with Kennard's game. All right, well, what do you think so of this he roster must in general? be doing something right. What do you think of this roster in general? we got Dwayne Casey coaching. I kind of like Dwayne Casey. He's not a great coach, but he's certainly not a bad one. Coach uh-huh. of the
1: year two years ago. Yeah, sure. And then he got fired. <laughs> 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 Isn't that how stupid the NBA Coach of the Year is? He won the Coach of the Year award and then got fired. He got fired, and I think it was named Coach of the Year right after. It was really close to each other. But I think the NBA Coach of the Year might, might be one of the
0: uh, most meaningless awards. Let me see if I could pull up that list. But what do you think of this Pistons roster? What, I what mean, you doesn't this roster
1: just scream contend for the eighth spot and have no chance of even winning in the first round again i mean
0: so how do they contend for the eighth they spot added here? derrick
1: rose because blake griffin's like probably going to be the best player on the floor when they're playing all these other mediocre east teams
0: for what 60 games a year
1: for 40 to 45 i mean
0: <laughs> you're even less games oh, than oh. I am. that's that's what i'm saying not oh, wins. like how many games is he oh. actually going to play
1: <laughs> Yeah, he'll he'll play sixty to seventy. He's he played most of the year last year, didn't he?
0: Let's see. Let's look. You know, he played seventy five. I think he played the year. whole year me. and
1: then he just was hurt for the playoffs.
0: Let's see. Yeah, that's right. He played seventy five last year, thirty three the, <laughs> the, the year before that, twenty five the year before that, sixty one the year before that, thirty five the year before that, and sixty seven the year before that
1: yeah he's a regular iron man
0: i know that as a Joel bead fan this is a little bit of the pot call in the kettle black but <laughs> if you're gonna really count on your best player who's never played a full season to play a full season uh, uh, what's to like about this team reggie jackson continues to be ineffective and inefficient he likes to hold the ball and shoot bad shots well, andre drummond only... would have been incredible in the nba 25 years ago yeah and then tony snell is starting what are we doing here
1: <laughs> yeah, you're actually talking to me at the end of, but I'd like to point out that Reggie Jackson is amazing, like 41 games out of the year, and the other 41, he doesn't look like he belongs in the NBA.
0: Woohoo! That
1: guy's one of the- <laughs> Reggie Jackson. He's one of the oh, most bipolar players. But he, when he's on, he looks good. I've seen him at home when I've been on. As I don't even bet on Detroit anymore because I can't read him. That's the only reason I don't even have a bet for this. Is like two years ago I swore off Detroit because it's like they look so bad and then they'll win a bunch of like weird home games against better players. In Detroit it's like you know they're not even going out like the night before like I I have no idea.
0: I think the only reason I'm going to avoid this under here is because of Dwayne Casey. I know that he's a good regular season coach and and he gets uh-huh. his team and gets them focused on where not they need to Tim be. Not because of Tim Frazier. And gets no. No, not not <laughs> not because of Timothy Frazier, uh, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's not going to be the reason I do that. And then you look at the the Eastern Conference. There are some easy wins. You know, they get to play the yeah. Hornets three or four times. They get to play the Wizards three or four times. They get to play the Knicks three or four times. They get to play the Cavaliers three or four times. The Bulls three or four times. So, well, wow, okay, you them, just
1: got, you guys got us to about thirty wins right there.
0: Well, that's what I mean. Like, you start to look at some of that stuff, and you know, I don't think this team is nearly as bad roster wise as those guys, but i think that you're right maybe they're competing with atlanta for the eighth spot but i don't have anything nice to stay say about this if roster. i had
1: to i i would i would go under here but detroit's my kiki burtons i'm just gonna stay away
0: this is one of those looks i'm gonna spend some more time looking at this their odds to make the playoffs it's minus 115 each way um so pretty much even up on the yes or no, and more or less a coin flip, if you will. I think that's just about where I have it. Maybe they could make the eight seed. They might win 20 games. Yeah, originally I, don't know I would think no, team.
1: but then you look at the rest of the East and you realize that that's actually the proper odds, too.
0: Absolutely. All right, so the Pistons were not feeling anything good about their odds to make the playoffs. The, uh, the over-under there, the title odds, they're 175-1, to 100-1 to 1 to win the conference, and 33 to win the division. Any other thoughts on the Detroit Pistons. No, I mean,
1: can you imagine if we had to do like a full hour on this? Like, can you imagine oh, being like the a Pistons? local Yeah, like being the local beat guy for Detroit and having to talk about this team every night.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> I feel like it'd be a lot of social media work I'm trying to find out who like Griffin's dating.
1: Oh yeah, doesn't he like to date the same like people that. that your point guard Ben Simmons does?
0: You know that's one of my favorite games of the year is the Pistons because Joel Beat absolutely owns Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin does his oh, yeah. damnedest to dunk on Ben Simmons. Who does he hate he gets, Who
1: does more? <laughs>
0: oh, because, does he? Oh yeah. No, okay, Blake, so have Blake, have to Blake tries to dump that. dunk all over Simmons. So one of the things we'll be looking at this year is so I was Blake right, they Griffin over. Right? Oh yeah, they dated Kylie Ky- Kendall or Kylie one of the Jenners, maybe Kendall. I'm not oh, really okay. sure to be perfectly honest. They're essentially the same person, um, but Blake Griffin overs when he plays the Sixers this year because he does everything he can to make Ben Simmons look foolish it's so <laughs> that's funny. that's so funny it's one of my absolute favorite story things but anything else in the piston spread
1: um you know we'll have to keep an eye on that
0: we absolutely will all right Indiana Pacers. oh actually I'll give you one more thing uh, on the one pistons. More thing
1: Andre Drummond he's actually not that bad a rapper oh I heard some of his rap songs they weren't really that bad
0: what are we talking about here? Are we talking like old-school hip-hop kind of stuff? Are we talking like like true like hardcore stuff. rap yeah. stuff? Like
1: No, like I'd say just normal East Coast hip-hop. Okay. So like Tribe west fu- kind
0: of hip-hop? Or are we talking yeah. like, yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: Maybe a little more like Mob Deep or Gangstar with a little like, All you right. know, he had the hoodie on and everything when I saw him doing it, but he really wasn't that bad.
0: So decent beats, not, not too hard on the rapping? Yeah. All right, I could fuck with that. What's his rap yeah, name? So... Do you know
1: what his rap name is? No, I'll find it to you so we can put it out on the pod. It was it was a year or two
0: ago that I saw it. Have I ever sounded whiter in my life than asking what someone's rap name was?
1: <laughs> well, we do have a tennis podcast, so probably.
0: Shit, you're right. We do talk about ladies' town. <laughs> that might actually be whiter. Anyway, Indiana. Much whiter. Pacers, let's go back through their off season again. I always like to go back and see who they got. Oh, this is one of my favorite acquisitions actually. TJ Warren for essentially nothing. I think that's a really nice piece. Added Malcolm Brogdon, they stole him away from the Bucks. We'll talk more about that actually when we get to more. That's huge. That's that pretty is. much
1: the biggest thing of this whole font, I think, is the exactly. biggest move. And... Well
0: wait a minute, they added TJ McConnell, the hero of Philadelphia.
1: Oh yeah, you love that guy too.
0: Oh, I don't. Hey, so you, the oh, guys I you played
1: basketball with must have loved McConnell right? Oh, everybody. the entire city of McConnell Philadelphia. Jerseys?
0: Oh yeah, everybody. Really? I don't even know if they owned. I don't even know if you could get a McConnell jersey, but I know a few of them had of them had one. Ugh. God bless. I'm so glad he, was he made really a So really that of money. popular there? Oh, uh, so you think about it, he's like a nice-looking guy. Um, you know, yeah. he combs his hair over the side. He looks just like a kid that graduated from Villanova and he tries real hard and dives for the ball and's always fighting against bigger players. Was he
1: more popular than JJ Reddick? It was close. Really? I'm
0: not even kidding, wow. dude. McConnell would come in the, the skill place level, would go nuts. For
1: the skill level disparity, that's uh that's pretty impressive on McConnell's part.
0: Remember, we have a statue of a boxer that lost his fight. That's right, folks. Rocky lost and Rocky won. Don't forget that. Yeah, that's a great that's movie. That's our hero. He lost. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana Pacers. Let's look at their starting lineup here. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Victor Oladipo at the shooting guard. We'll put a little asterisk there. We're not sure when he's actually going to be back. Um, the latest reports I've seen were Christmas to the All-Star break, so that's a lot of so games. So he's that's on the a, clay schedule. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's more than half the season if he doesn't come back for the All-Star break. T.J. Warren, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Jeremy Lamb, Aaron Holliday. Yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised. There's not too much depth on this team. It's a lot of the same names. Justin Holiday, I see here. TJ McConnell, of course. Some nudie named uh, Go-Go Bit-Todds? bit I'm not really sure oh, who I that is. Look them up. No. I don't know. I mean so, so what do you think of this roster here? Um, you know, Knowing that Oladipo is not going to be back probably at least halfway through the season, um, what are your expectations for the Pacers?
1: Okay, so a lot of the guys that we talked to that I consider to be pretty sharp are loving this Pacers team. And I'm not seeing it, so I want you to kind of help me through it because I, I, I'm just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Do you see what I'm saying? I do love the TJ Warren pickup. I kind of been hoping for him on the Kings for a while with all our wing depth issues. Um, so I've been kind of a little fan of his for a while, but I don't think that he's, you know, that much of a game changer. Jeremy Lamb off the bench isn't that much. I love Sabonis and Turner individually but I don't know how well they mesh together. Um so explain to me why like why are you are you one of the guys that's on the the Pacers over
0: here? I like the Pacers. I think I'm going to be on them come playoff time given how Oladipo looks when he comes back. I think a lot of the optimism comes around maybe him being healthier than than maybe we think and also the addition of Brogdon. I think Brogdon showed at the end of the season last year that he is a really talented player is. Yeah. Um, and is someone who can be impactful on both sides of the floor. And then you, you look at what they did last year with essentially the same roster. You really essentially... Well, you, they you, lost
1: Bogdanovich. Right, but swap, I mean, everyone says that Bogdanovich is going to put the Jazz over and then they don't discount his loss to the Pacers at all.
0: You swap him out for Jeremy Lamb, you swap him out for TJ Warren. I know but that that's I do not think the that's same, even but that's, either 75, one. that's 75% of the, the player that, Bo, that that Bogdanovich was.
1: Except for the spacing aspect. You already have problems with Sabonis and Turner. Bogdanovich gave you some spacing. Does Warren give you that same spacing? I think he does. He's a pretty good three-point
0: shooter, and so is Lamb. All right. I mean, All right. They're not as good as Bogdanovich. You make a fair point, but I don't think it's that big of a step back. And you got to remember, they had Brogdon. You know, I think adding Brogdon to this, to this mix um, it lowers the impact of Oladipo not being there for a while and also takes you know the top at the, the ceiling on this team and raises it a little bit once they get healthy come playoff time they're going to be starting brogdon oladipo a shooter and then sabonis and turner and then with the opportunity to go small you know take sabonis or turner off the floor and bring warren in and who's to say that they can't turn sabonis or turner mid-season into another piece i think this is a team that could take one of those two guys so if you a were round, indiana make a move
1: if you're indiana who would you, who would you want to build around
0: I'd wait. I'd wait and see how this team looks and who plays best with Brogdon. My inclination uh-huh. is I'd want to trade Sabonis because Turner yeah. is. The, I think both the better shooter and the better rim protector. Um, Sabonis, I think. I
1: don't think he's a better shooter.
0: Um, let me pull up his three point numbers. Looking off the top, Sabonis of my head.
1: seems to be Sabonis. Okay, yeah, I maybe three, just pointer, three pointers
0: yeah, from from three okay. pointers. I mean Sabonis. I'm still,
1: thinking overall, if I wanted a bucket, I'm I wanting Sabonis over Turner with the ball.
0: I you know, I think you're right. I think if you're right. If you're looking for a bucket in the half court game, what I'm looking at of that position is someone who's gonna stretch the floor and be good defensively. I think, but I think, I think the, the bonus gonna be enough by the even guards. if he doesn't
1: get you to the three point line. You know, he's got enough of a mid range jumper, you know, Al Horford style. Um to, to to still space the floor effectively. Even if he's not necessarily threatening with a three point shot. Yeah, and Brogdon is huge. I mean I, I guess you know what I discount is Okay, so point starting point guards, is Brogdon in the top ten if we're going defensively?
0: Defensively, that that's an interesting here. question.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's where he adds all the value. I mean, he's good on offense. He scores, right? But like we, we mentioned before, you know, most of these guys in the NBA can score. Like most of them can get buckets. What really separates you as an NBA player is your ability to do the other things. You know, it's your ability to defend. It's your ability to rebound. It's your your basketball IQ, your ability to get your teammates involved. You know, knowing where to be on the floor, knowing when, especially as a point guard, knowing you know when to 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 slow the ball down, who to get the ball to, how to feed the hot hand, you know, how to manage egos. Um, and so I I I rate Brogdon really highly in these other in these other aspects. So, I mean, but it just seems to me like you lose Bogdanovich for Warren. I actually think that's a downgrade as much as I like. It is.
0: Him. It's absolutely a downgrade. I'm not yeah. going to question that. You're right about that. But... And then.
1: Who did they have a point guard last year?
0: Um, it was. Was oh, it wasn't Teague, was it? It was, it was. No, they traded Teague to Minnesota. Um, I'm trying to. Th- oh, it was Collison, Darren Collison. Oh, yeah, that's a major upgrade, actually. Because
1: Collison's a backup point guard. He shouldn't be starting.
0: Right. I like Brogdon's size. I like what he does. And I like that he fits in. I like that, you know, the conversation we haven't earlier about having two ball handlers on the same team. I think Brogdon is what the nba requires right now someone who can do a lot of things all at once i think you could actually play brogdon as your small forward and get away with it let alone as your point guard and get away with it defensively he's solid offensively he's solid so i think that's a big addition i don't think of the pacers as competitors for the title but i think from a regular season perspective this is going to be a really competitive team so as we start to look at some of the odds here, the Pacers seven to one to win the division. Uh, it's hard for me to see them winning more games than the Bucks. Twelve to one to win the conference. Forty-five to win to win the title. I have no interest in either of those numbers. But forty-six and a half wins. Again, this team won forty-eight games last year. Did they really get two games worse?
1: Yeah, I'm seeing forty-seven and a half. And here's I, I'm not going to bet this at all because, like I said, I think that I'm missing something that you guys are seeing you know and maybe when this team fleshes out i'll see it you know Um, maybe sabonis and turner work better together than i'm giving them credit for um so i'm gonna stay away you know what my original thought is to go under here but then you look at the east and you see how many easy games they get and i just can't place the bet you know like i mean we just spent the whole (laughs) the whole podcast pretty much trashing the bottom three teams in their division right
0: yeah, I, so I agree. I with, mean, that's
1: 10 to 12 easy wins right there.
0: I agree with the sentiment you're circling around here, basically that there's too much uncertainty to have any faith that the Pacers will be good or, or have any faith that the Pacers will be bad. I think you're right. This is a good stay away. But this is definitely a team I have circled um, come playoff time to see what they look like with a healthy, healthy Oladipo um, and things like that. So um, I think we're passing on the Pacers. Any other final thoughts before we move to the Milwaukee Bucks?
1: Yeah, I think one thing, if you did want to bet this Pacers game, I would set their home over-under at 30. Would you, could you have it up? Can you pull it up here? last? Because I think if you think that they're going to win over 30 at home, then you bet the over here.
0: You think they're going to win 30 games at home?
1: 30 out of 42? Yeah, they have a good home court. For them to get it, that's where I'm thinking they're at. What did they hit last year? Can you pull it up?
0: Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Oh, here we go. Home, the Indiana Pacers, they were 29 and 12.
1: Yeah, see? so And they were at 48, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how I would handicap it to make it simpler. Do you think they can get 30 at home? And, yeah. So, anyways, I'll be definitely uh, interested to hear some feedback from some of the guys that we talked to about this that are pro-Indiana. And, you know, maybe in our, uh, next time we discuss them, we'll – be more educated as to why we should be high on this team
0: all right finally we have the bucks of milwaukee let's go back through and take a look at their offseason obviously they lost malcolm brogdon they lose george hill um re-signed brooke lopez or they actually re-signed george hill after waving him excuse me there um, Resigned chris middleton signed wesley matthews signed Robin lopez um added an onto Antet- Another Atatankumpo. Sorry, I'm sure I I destroyed that. Dragon Bender as well as Kyle Korver. But again, the big loss there being Malcolm Brogdon. They're starting five this year. looks like it's going to be Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, Kumpo, the Giannis, if you will, Brooke Lopez, and then coming off the bench, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, Ursan, Ilya Sova, Robin Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, Kyle Korver. Um, An overall very, very nice roster. You know, when we talked... Before the season, before we started doing these, I listed Milwaukee as one of my five teams that I see as having a chance to win the title. What are your expectations for this Milwaukee Bucks roster spread?
1: Um, NBA Finals?
0: <laughs> we got to have
1: some sort of a discourse on the pod. I know you like Philly to go there. Uh, yeah, I think this is the team. So I think this is interesting. If you look at it this way, would you trade Wesley Matthews and Kyle Korver for Malcolm Brogdon? Nope. Because that's essentially what no. they
0: did. No, 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 no. Yeah. never, yeah, not in a million years. I think the bucks got worse. I think that losing Brogdon, I think adding Wes Matthews, I think the, the Eric Bledsoe extension, I think finally paying Chris Middleton, um, you know, putting all that money into Brooke Lopez. I think this team got worse year over year. So I am not as optimistic about the Bucks. Again, I do still think of them as a title contender. Giannis could continue to get better like he does every single year. He could be a better shooter than he is next year, a better ball handler, an even smarter defensive player, and continue to just progress and be what appears to be like a video game cheat code of a basketball player at this point. Um, so that's my big optimism about them. And the reason that I'm not going to you know, fade Milwaukee for for any particular reason. You know, I'm seeing their total here at 57 and a half from a wins perspective. I believe they did win, yep, 60 games last year. So, you know, they even set the total two and a half games lower, which I think is indicative of maybe some of the changes in the roster from a regular season perspective. But um, gotta love this roster. I'm not going to touch the under and the wins. I'm not super optimistic about the title chances. I think come playoff time, if we're going to get into it this roster really struggles against the Sixers and really struggles against the Celtics. I think if the Celtics do you know, even 75% of what we predicted for him this year, if Gordon Hayward can make a step forward, if um, Kemba Walker can be a productive player, they have enough bodies to throw at, at Giannis and, and maybe enough intelligence from Brad Stevens to maybe try to figure out a way to defend against his team. But I don't know. I, th- I think Milwaukee took, took a little step backwards from what they did last year.
1: Yeah, I I I don't think they did. I think that they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Uh, seem you know get handle the Brogdon thing seamlessly. I love the idea of Kyle Corver on this team. I just love it.
0: Regular season, Kyle Corver is going to be great. Come playoff time, he will be unplayable.
1: You know, people say that, but I think that you can hide him. I think you're going to be able to hide him, and I think that's what that Budenholzer gets paid to do. And I think nobody can hide.
0: I watched JJ Reddick for uh, two or three playoff series last year spread. Nobody can hide. Uh, we'll see. All right. I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, come playoff time take some uh, Kyle Corver unders. That's for sure. But uh, so, so you think that he just
1: won't get the minutes, right? That would be your angle there?
0: Yeah, I think that they'll have to take his minutes down because I think he'll get dominated defensively. I think that you know the Kyle Korver from five six years ago, who was plucky and, and could try hard enough and was in good enough shape to, to stay on the floor defensively, is not not there anymore. I, I think that okay. So help
1: me out because I'm you know you know the roster much better than mine. Assuming we're you know with the normal Philadelphia 76ers roster, where, who would you think that you could hide Korver on if you were you know you had to go against yourself and you're coaching at your own team.
0: If I was coaching against my own team, I would actually try to put Corver Hor- uh, on Horford. I would do something like that oh. and try to, you know, yeah, force but he, Horford- he map, You're right; he probably uh, even would, on but the very least. If Horford I was Horford, Horford I go
1: straight to the post every time.
0: Right, but Horford's not comfortable going after the ball like that. Maybe you put him on Josh Richardson, um, something like that. But I probably try to put him on Horford and get a little weird. But I don't think there's anything you could do with Kyle Corver in a serious playoff series. Um, I just don't. I don't, don't no. He floor. was a
1: pretty big contributor to the, uh, when the Cavaliers won. How long ago was that? Three years ago.
0: That was a long time spread. Yeah. That's a lot of games and a lot of minutes and a lot of younger, more athletic players filtering into the league. I think that um, the Kyle Corver's days of being useful on defense are, are well beyond him and that, you know, regular season, you're right. I think he's going to spread the floor out and, and make Giannis' Oh, it's going to be easier. awesome
1: regular season. We don't we don't have any disagreement there. Regular yeah. season, he's going to crush. Post-season. Especially against tired legs. Teams coming in on a back-to-back, coming in from Chicago or Detroit the night before. Tired, and then Nick Corver's just going to be out there. Giannis is going to uh, attract four people. Corver's just going to be shooting, like, 15 feet wide open. He'll probably have more... Uh, more people covering him during warmups. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And I I want to see how uh, Dante D. How do I say it? You Dante know.
0: DiVincenzo. So that was the point I was going to get to. Yeah. I think if DiVincenzo or Conaton can actually take a step forward and be useful NBA players, that might be interesting. I think that's, yeah. that's what the Bucks are hoping on that one of those two younger guys, maybe even DJ Wilson or Frank Mason um, takes a step forward and, and shows some sort of usefulness. But I have no faith in Frank Mason or DJ Wilson. But DiVincenzo, incredibly talented player, um, restricted by injuries in his first first year or so. And then Connaughton, a nice contributor on the Warriors. Maybe he he, he can continue to do that. But I'm really No, nervous. I don't think he
1: was ever on the Warriors. No? Did I make that up?
0: Yeah, I think you're thinking of Pat McCaw. I think you're right. I am thinking of Pat McCaw. But either way, I, I think if DiVincenzo um, can take a so... step forward, that'll be a big help. But I'm still worried.
1: One thing I'd like to do, like when we're doing this, is these are things that I like to do. Um, obviously, it's a little bit of a downgrade, but I think that when it comes to crunch time, George Hill will be getting some minutes at point. How much do you think he's a downgrade defensively compared to Brogdon?
0: Pretty decent downgrade, I, I think. Um, you know, Brogdon's a plus yeah, defensive player. I think that's be George a problem. Hill's maybe average. I don't think it's a huge downgrade, but it's substantial. Yeah, you know, I was. Yeah. All right, so what do you th- what do you think of the Bucs yeah. the Bucks? Then are you thinking at all about an over or under on that fifty seven and a half win number? I don't know what you have right now. Maybe you have a fifty eight or a fifty six in front of you. But I had a, I had fifty seven
1: in front of me, and I think that the the thing down on the Bucks, you know, like what we're trying to do in the NBA is we're trying to catch these teams before everyone else does. You know, like we did with the Magic last year. Like I kind of mentioned, trying to do with the Hawks this year. Um, but I think that everybody knows about the bucks and I think these numbers are right. I looked it up while we were talking, you know, cause I was trying to think of a way I can work a bucks in. And so I was like, oh, well maybe to win the Eastern conference, but only at plus plus one sixty-seven. that's, that's no value at all. I mean, that's actually a, I'd say that's a negative EV bet with number one, if Giannis gets hurt, they're completely done. Um, two, like you said, the matchup problems with the Sixers and the Celtics, are going to, you know, rear up. And I think that Brad Stevens is going to have a lot for Budenholzer when they get together this year. And he's got a team of, of 12 guys going in the same direction and not 11-1 and one like he did last year. Um, so, yeah, I think that actually – yeah, I think that's a negative EV bet on the Bucks to win the Eastern Conference. I think the 57 is just about right. I think it will be interesting. I think that they tried really hard last year and um, – You know, they might pull like a Warriors where they say, you know what, the regular season really doesn't matter. We need to be ready for the playoffs. So I'm not saying that they're going to do that, but I'm just saying that's a possibility. That's why I don't even want to touch 57 and a half. And overall, uh, same thing with their championship number. Um, I'm seeing, I didn't like it. It was in four or five hundreds plus 550. I don't know. That doesn't seem like. Pass. It doesn't seem like a – I think it's a negative EV bet, right? I mean, they don't win. What's the eye prob on that, like, 18% so of the time? 450 in front
0: of you? Plus 550. Plus 550 in front of you? So that would be about yeah. a 15%, 15.4% chance. I think you're right. I think those numbers are dead on accurate. So nothing from us from a bucks perspective. Um, going back
1: – Except they're going to be the funnest team to watch, right? I mean, like –
0: they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like I don't know, do
1: you, do, you, do you get the league pass? Like I'm like a league pass junkie, and like they're going to be one of the teams I'm tuning into all the time. Not a
0: league pass junkie, actually. What I'll do is, is get up the next morning and pull up. Um, there's a couple places on youtube that do really nice condensed versions of the game i'll pull those up
1: i wonder if they steal them from League pass because leak pass has Pass has a five minute version and like a 15 minute version if I yeah, i'm pretty right. sure that somebody's just so taking like, those and, and published yeah. them
0: so i get a chance to watch those but yeah probably maybe i'll finally break down and, and throw in the money for it who knows but
1: i'm telling you it's worth it especially on those first quarter bets like when you have one of those days where you're heavy on the first quarter and I'm tailing you and I got like four or five, <laughs> it's just like action. Like for me, because, you know, it starts at four right. here. So it's like one's over at 4.30, I got another game starting. That one's over at five, I got another game starting. By 7.30, I feel like I've watched like eight hours of basketball, you know, because I've lived and died with the end of so many of those wild first quarters. Because you have to admit that first quarter is fun, but it is high variance. Oh, I yeah. mean – because when you're watching, you see how much it comes down to... The last two or three buckets. You know.
0: That stupid shot at yeah. the end of the quarter. Somebody not caring. Because like, I don't yeah. know it's the end of the quarter. I give up. Yeah. All right. So, Any other thoughts here on this, the Milwaukee Bucks or, this, or the Central Division before we wrap up the Eastern Conference spread?
1: No, I'm actually pretty proud of ourselves that we were able to get this much content out about the Central Division because I actually find this to be the least interesting division this year as far as... Storylines and potential, you know. I mean, it's pretty much the Bucks to lose, and the only way they lose it is if Giannis gets hurt, and that's just bad for the NBA and for us as viewers in general. So, you know.
0: All right. So, quick recap. It looks like the I'm trying to think. The only bet we have here for the Central, we're both going to take the under on the Bulls' wins at 32 and a half. Were there any other bets for you here in the Central?
1: I got 33 and a half at five dimes. If you're going to do that, go to th- the five dimes and get the Beautiful, 33.
0: under 33 and a half at five That's dimes. A that sounds game. great. I think yeah. that was the only wager for us here. Just a quick recap of what we have in the Eastern Conference spread. I know that you, right now, you've got Boston to win the Atlantic, Atlanta to win the Southeast Division, Miami over 43 and a half wins, and then, of course, we just touched on Chicago under 43 and a half. I've got Orlando over 40 and a half. Under 33, right, under 33 and a half. I've got Orlando over 40 and a half. Uh, I'm sorry, Orlando over 40 and a half. Atlanta over 33 and a half. Washington under 27 and a half. The Raptors, of course, under 46 and a half. The Raptors to miss the playoffs. <laughs> and, of course, the uh, the Chicago Bulls to go under their win total of 33 and a half. All right, spread. Any other thoughts here before we wrap it up? No, you know, I'm really glad
1: that we knocked the East out. I think that was a great warm-up because it is going to be action-packed for these next three previews. Totally agree. I mean, every single team is just fascinating in the West to me. Even even the Phoenix Suns, I think they're all fascinating. So, I think that... Uh, boy, we really got some uh, some fun podcasts ahead of us. So looking forward to that, and uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing most likely the Bucks play <laughs> Philly or Boston in the Eastern Conference should be finals. a great
0: end of the year, but we got plenty of time until that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at NetWorthPod, and uh, have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.